Philippians chapter 1, everybody, if you have your Bibles, just going to take a few minutes to do this here tonight, and then we will get on to the dunkings of the former little heathens who are now going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit of God. Philippians chapter 1, starting in verse 9, and this is my prayer, that your love may abound and overflow more and more in knowledge and depth of practical insight so that you may be able to discern what is best or most excellent and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I thank you for this wonderful day, this this time you've given us here to gather together for the wine and for the oil and for the bread and how you strengthen our hearts and encourage us. We know we do not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from your mouth. And so Lord, I'm asking as as I'm about to handle your word here and dispense it the best I know how, Who's competent for such a task as this? I pray that you would speak through me. We do not need more information, Lord, but I pray for a fresh word from heaven tonight. I pray for distraction to just be lifted off. Pray for anxiety about what came in from last week. Worry about what is next week. I pray to be laid down in Jesus' name. So I just pray for these few minutes here, just a fresh focus in, Lord, for your word. I asked a few of you to pray along with Lizzie and I this apostolic prayer this last week. This is Paul's prayer for the church in Philippi. There's multiple apostolic prayers. I just love praying those because anything we pray according to the Lord's will, we know he hears us. And there's nothing more in line with the Lord's will than what the Holy Spirit wrote, amen? So this is the will of the Holy Spirit for the church in Philippi and for the church today. This is his will for y'all and for me. And I wanna break this down. The Lord, as I've been praying it this week, has really just unpacked some things in these couple of verses here. In this is my prayer that your love would, number one, abound more and more, in knowledge and depth of insight so that you would have discernment. We want to be able to know what's best, what's most excellent, so that we would produce fruit. We would bear the fruit of righteousness with intimacy with Christ Jesus. We would be pure and blameless, which would be the place where we bear fruit from. And then we would move after this fruit of righteousness into God getting all the glory because it starts with God and it ends with God. So there's these five steps that flow through here. And I want to start, if I could, with the very last one and work our way back up to the very first one and then maybe show you how they all tie together. So first and foremost in verse 11 to the glory and praise of God. You remember with me in John 15, this is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit. 
This is how the Father is glorified, that you bear fruit. And later on in 15, he says, and fruit that abides. That's actually what God is after in each one of us. Because remember, he says, Jesus, he's the vine, and y'all people, the church, are the branches. But the Father is the gardener or he's the husbandman, or he's, as the Greek word there is, Georgios. That's why we named our new little boy George. We love that name. Georgios is like land worker or worker of the soil. And so the father, going all the way back to Isaiah chapter 5, says, I went to my vineyard, which was Israel and Judah, and I was looking for fruit. But all I found, instead of justice and righteousness, he says, all I found was bloodshed and distress. And I called Israel the vine in which I delighted in, he says. Well, now Israel is summed up in the man, Christ Jesus. And now instead of the nation of Israel, he's looking to a holy nation, which is the church. And he's saying the church in Christ Jesus is the vine he delights in, and he's looking for fruit still, fruit that would remain. So first and foremost, we have to realize that the Lord is saying Right off the bat, I'm looking for fruit that brings me glory. What was the first blessing, everybody? And he blessed them and he told them, be fruitful. The fruit of the Holy Spirit working through our lives. We're making sons and daughters in the faith. Yes, biologically, but we're making disciples who make disciples. It brings God a lot of glory when we do that. The first blessing is the first for a reason. Primarily, that's what he's looking for in case we forget. How do we do that? Well, if we back up to number four, how does the fruit of righteousness come? Well, it comes through my efforts, working harder, getting more and more people to let. My my fruit comes through one source, everybody. Abide in me and you will bear much fruit. The fruit of righteousness comes through, verse 11, Jesus Christ. It, there is, there's nothing outside of him. The flow of life comes through him. Anybody, uh, this is a random, this might be a stretch. Anybody ever heard of C.S. Lewis? Okay, so C.S. Lewis in Mere Christianity says it this way. <clears throat> Even the best Christian that ever lived is not acting on his own steam. He's only, watch this, nourishing and protecting, oh, I love that phrase, the life, a life he could never have acquired by his own efforts. Which life is that, everybody? The life of Christ in me. I'm nourishing it. I'm protecting it, guarding against sin. I don't want anything to interrupt the flow of abiding life, right? Amen? Yes? Anybody ever felt the interruption of flow of abiding life? It's got to be nourished. It's got to be protected. That is why the Christian is in a different position from other people who are trying to be good. They hope, by being good, to please God, if there is one, or if they think there is not, at least they hope to deserve approval from good men. But the Christian thinks any good he does comes from the Christ life inside of him. He does not think God will love us because we are good, but that God will make us good because he loves us. Just as the roof of a greenhouse does not attract the sun because it's bright, it becomes bright because the sun shines on it. 
That guy has a future in writing, man. I'm telling you, that's beautiful. How well said. We don't attract God to us because of our brightness. Rather, when he shines on us, we're transformed into his image. Nothing good comes from my life, yes, unless it comes from the life within me. I know this is a reminder for most of you, but hang with me. How do we bring God's glory? We bear fruit. Where does fruit come from? It comes from Jesus Christ. How do we bear fruit with Jesus Christ? And all you adults in the room, tell me. Don't tell me. Think about it for a second. How do you bear fruit with your spouse? Well, intimacy is required. Yes? That's a good thing or a bad thing? Yes? And sometimes there's warfare against intimacy. Yes, I'm working on baby number seven right now. Nine weeks, we're almost there. Fruit, blessing, it's wonderful. Remember Hosea in the Old Testament? He was told as a prophet to go, to go marry a prostitute named, anybody remember? Gomer. Wow, Gomer. Gomer means, I didn't know this until today, completion, which is what God was saying was Israel had filled up or they had, they had completed their wickedness and adulteries with him. So he tells Hosea, he says, I want you to go marry this wayward woman because I'm going to speak to you about the nation of Israel. And he says in Hosea 1-2, for like an adulterous wife, this land is guilty of unfaithfulness to the Lord. Can you imagine, guys? And so Hosea goes out and marries this woman and she leaves him again and again and again for other lovers. And in chapter three, he actually has to go back out and buy her back to himself. And he says, stop doing that. And so through Hosea's anguish and his pain of chasing after this wayward wife, he gets a deeper revelation of God's heart because we're made in God's image. You better bet you God has emotions. God feels the anguish and the pain of this broken relationship. It sorrows his heart, the sin of his people. You better believe it can grieve God's heart when we sin. And so he goes a deeper, deeper level into God's heart, into the love of God. And he says, I understand what you're after. You're after fruit. And intimacy and fruit is difficult when you're chasing your wayward wife all over the city. Yes? We want to bear fruit, God. We want to see revival. I want to see more of the Holy Spirit in my life. And God says, great. We got to work on this purity of heart. I'm after holiness. How do we get fruit? Intimacy. What has to happen before intimacy? Purity of heart. It says here, look with me. So it says that you may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ Jesus. God loves you. If you're in Christ Jesus, you are loved. And by one sacrifice, he's made perfect forever those who are being made holy. You're not finished yet. You're finished in Christ, but if you've not noticed, you got some work to do. He's got some work to do through you. He's weeding your garden. He's changing my heart. He's purifying me where I'm not running after other lovers like I used to. Why? So that I can be with Christ to bear fruit, to bring glory to God. How do we do that? Moving up. We're moving up in the verse here. Verse 10. I want you to be able to discern what is best or most excellent. 
to be pure and blameless, I need you to be able to discern what's best. So we need to, as a church, this is what I'm praying for you guys this last week. This is what I'm praying for me. Lizzie and I are locking in. Lord, let the church in El Dorado be able to discern what's best. Let them be able, listen to me, to recognize and treasure that which is most excellent. I want them to be able to recognize and treasure what's most excellent. Binge on Netflix. That sounds really good. But I get discernment and I'm like, no, actually time in the word is better for me. I've realized that. Pornography pleases me for a moment. I get discernment and I realize that actually kills me. Actually pursuing holiness is what I want. Covetousness and love of the world. I could go on and on and on. And then we get discernment and we realize, oh, that's not good. I actually, I realize in my mind, I've done the math and that kills me. Sin kills me. So therefore, because I have discernment, then I walk in purity. He wants us to become wary, not being deceived. Here's two examples of what he discerns. He discerns different preaching. In chapter one, verse 15, some people preach Christ out of envy and rivalry. How do you know that? Discernment. Some out of goodwill. Some do it so out of love and some do out of other reasons. But for whatever reason, if Christ is preaching, Paul has discernment to recognize types of preaching. And then he has discernment to recognize types of people in chapter three. Listen to what he says. Watch out for those dogs, those evildoers, those mutilators of the flesh, those Judaizers. He has discernment to recognize people. Now, hold on. I thought you said we weren't supposed to judge. Jesus says, don't judge, right? We, make, we, we do no judging. No, it doesn't. Don't pridefully judge. Because in Matthew 7, you got to be able to see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Meaning, get the plank out of your eye first so you can see clearly. The spiritual man, 1 Corinthians 2, actually makes judgments about all things. He has discernment. But the soulish man, he's critical. He has critical judgment about people. You know how to know the difference? If you have discernment, it leads you to intercession and brokenness of heart until you see that person restored. Prideful judgment, you know what that leads to? Hey, let me tell you what I just heard some juicy gossip about. Did you know? We talked about gossip last week. What was my rule? Everybody repeat it. Three words. Do not gossip. All right, good job. The spiritual man makes judgments. Paul says you need to grow in your discernment as a body, as the bride, so that you can discern what's best that grows into purity, which takes you into fruit, which again brings God's glory. Okay, let me land this plane and then we will move on. The first part, and this is my prayer, that your love would abound or overflow more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you would be able to discern. So he starts off here at the beginning. We've worked our way all the way back up to the top. And he says, your love abounds and overflows in the context of knowledge and practical insight. I'm going to use wisdom there. Did you know that love actually spills over as our knowledge of Jesus grows 
And as our practical insight as wisdom grows, this is super important. This goes back to what I said here a couple weeks ago, talking about deception in the church. So much deception these days. Love is going to grow cold in the end times because lawlessness will increase. But not y'all. I want your love to overflow. That's what we're praying for. Did you know your love overflows in the context of truth, knowledge, and depth of insight? Question, what is love? Because the Beatles told me that's all I need. What is love? Answer, because we use the Bible to answer questions. At its core, love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. Who is love? God. Does God delight in evil? Absolutely not. He rejoices in the truth. Love is from God. God is love. So love's not a package that I get apart from Christ Jesus. When I get Christ, I get love. Jesus in me delights. It rejoices in the truth not with evil. So what I know is love never, ever, ever delights in evil, according to how the scripture defines evil. Here's a truth. Love always does what is true and best for the object of its love, even if it seems unloving at the moment. Anybody ever had a child in here? You ever had to take to surgery? And they were young enough, they didn't quite understand why you were doing what you're doing. That hurts, yes. Pain, like, like hurt me instead of them type pain. It really, really hurts. And they look at you and they say, Daddy, why? And you have to say, I know it doesn't seem like it, but I love you, I love you, I love you. In fact, even right now in this moment, I love you like a billion times more. And it pains my heart to see you in pain, but I'm after the greater good. Yeah? I'm after the greater good in your life. So, knowing Jesus, I want your love to abound more and more in knowledge. I want to know Christ Jesus as Lord, Paul says later on in this book. I want to know him. I consider everything like rubbish compared to knowing him. This is just a few years before he, he died. I, everything I have in my life up to this point, I consider, I want to know him more. Paul says, I want you to grow in your knowledge of Christ, and I want you to grow in your practical insight, wisdom from this book for living life. And that's how your love's going to grow. On the flip side, if love abounds in knowledge and depth of insight, love lacks in foolishness and ignorance. Here's an example. When we wink an eye at sexual immorality in the church, it might seem like we're being more loving, but in reality, we're not. When I give a pass to my brother or sister in the Lord who's been walking with the Lord that then walks, decides intentionally against the counsel of scripture and against multiple warnings from people in the church and fathers in the faith. And they say, I love him or I love her and I'm gonna do it anyway. What do I do? I just need to love them. 
So how that looks like for me is I'm going to say, you do you. I'm not to be the judge. We don't judge. Judging is bad in American Christianity. So you do you. I love you. You know what that's like? That's like walking with someone to a train station and they're about to board this dark train and you know that there's a time bomb on it and it's going to explode two miles down the track. And you go up with them and hold their hand and walk up in the car of the train and you sit down and you say, let's talk about this. Let's talk. I don't want you to feel judged by me. What do you think about this relationship? Is it okay? Okay, go, okay, good. No, I'm not judging. I'm not just, just, you know, watch out for you. Be careful, be careful. Or I'm standing there at the train station. My brother or sister's trying to get on this train in this relationship that I know is not from God. And I know that all sin leads to death and ultimately to hell. And I stand in front of the train and say, don't get on the train. Do anything, I'll do anything I can do to keep you from getting on this train. They say, you're a prideful, judgmental Christian. Get out of my way. And I say, no, I love you enough. Don't get on the train. And they slap me in the face. And they call some friends. You know what Jonathan's saying about me? And I'm like, please don't get on the train. They kick me and they beat me up. And finally, they crawl over my body to get on the train. Because ultimately, the choice is theirs. And they can get on if they want to. I'm not God. I can't stop it. Which one's more loving? Come on. Number one, where I get on the train and eat a meal with them, and I'm talking like, oh, let's just, let's just enjoy your train ride. Best of luck. Best of luck. Oh, that was a big mistake. Oh, they should never have done that. Or me laying my life down and my reputation down and my friendship with them because I'm like, I love Jesus more than you. And he's worthy. And you can't call yourself a Christian and do this. Man, you better be ready to get divided from because the cross divides. And Jesus says, I came to divide father, mother, brother, sister, and whole households will be divided. Look, guys, we have to have love overflowing in this last day. The only way for love to overflow is that we have to have discernment to know what is love, what's the truth. And in order to have discernment, we have to have intimacy with Jesus. We have to go after purity of heart to have discernment. We have to treasure Christ. And in order to do that, we have to have the fruit of righteousness. And ultimately, God gets the glory when we bear a lot of fruit. Amen? Yeah, so don't go out and just blow up all of your relationships next week because I told you this. Seek counsel, seek the scripture. Make sure you got every plank out of your eye because man, I tell you, if I say don't go into this relationship and I'm doing the same thing on the side over here, whoa, careful. You gotta make sure your heart's right before the Lord before you step into that. Get the plank out of your eye first, then get the speck. The Lord wants love to abound. Yes? No? Okay. All right. Anything? Discernment from heaven? Okay. All right. All right. We're checking something we were texting about this afternoon. Oh, guys, 
that we are in for a, a, a rough road of deception and y'all know it. We know what we're heading. The storm is coming and the head of the ship is facing. The church is heading into the storm. We have no more time for business as usual. We're going to baptize these little kids now and they've got to be head and shoulders above me where I was at that age. Yeah? They got to have discernment. I'm talking to my kids about things that I never knew about until I was way older. And we got to be ready, right, Joanne Stotts? Because we need revival in the youth. We need the middle school revived and the high school revived. So we're going to baptize these kids. Who did I say was starting off first? You guys? Let's have you guys go back over there and, and gear up, and you can make your way down in the pool whenever you want. We're going to baptize these kids. And like I told my little boy Amos the other day, I said, you might be required to lay down your life on behalf of Christ. Now, my dad led me to the Lord when I was seven years old. He didn't say that to me. It was true back then, but I'm telling you, a day is coming when we might have martyrs sitting among us. May it be. We just might have heroes of the faith sitting among us. It might be you. It might be a little one. But the days are evil. The time is short. So I'm pleading with you guys to take this seriously. I'm pleading with you guys to seek knowledge and wisdom and depth of insight from the Lord because it's going to be fun. It's going to be real fun.